Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Routes, the program where we gather every day at this time, well, Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between food producers and food consumers. Hank Vogler checking in from North Spring Valley, Nevada. I almost said North White Pine County. <laughs> well, that's true, too. <laughs> you... I'm not too far from the Elko County line. Elko County's big. Oh, yeah. Used to be one of the biggest cow counties in the United States. And uh, until we decided that we'd rather fight fire than use livestock to raise light fuel. I think you're still in the top, or not you, if your cows are in Elko County, you're still in the top five, but the top three cow-calf counties in the, in the nation now are all three in Nebraska, just got to say. That's why we call ourselves the beef state. Plus, we produce more red meat than any other state. Well, I think that's great. We, you know, I mean, we've, but we all got to get on our carbon footprint and i've been practicing not breathing as often so i don't exhale any (laughs) carbon dioxide and it's working real well i turn a little purple once in a while but you know i'm I'm cutting down on my carbon footprint substantially then you're contributing to the death of plants you're a murderer yes i am in the first degree all right did you get your weather situation fixed in the last week or what's going on well, we didn't hide Easter eggs yesterday. We filled sandbags, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Got a little melt going on, do you? Oh, boy, and I'll tell you what. It's the low snow. I hope the higher snow kind of waits a little bit, please. Kind of comes off, you know, with a little patience, you know. Mother Nature, she, you know, she's meaner than eight or nine of my ex-wives put together. Yeah. True story. And let me tell you, Mr. Luce, when Mother Nature says, hold my beer and watch this, lug out. So. I got to get your take on this because uh, it's, I don't really think anything's going to happen of it, but because you have such a passion for Oregon, you love it so much you left it. Uh, now, as of Friday, so I didn't see anything new, 63% of the landmass of the state of Oregon, I'm talking about counties, I believe the number is currently at 11 counties, have... Eastern Oregon. Eastern, yeah, and it's it's the eastern two-thirds of Oregon, actually, with a few little pockets pulled out, have voted that they want to join Idaho and leave Oregon. Is this going to be anything other than just a, a rhetoric? Well, probably, uh, you know, with the with the way that the inside people, you know, I mean, Oregon has voted about two counties, Lane and Multnomah, and once in a while a little more, which is the Portland-Salem area, uh, has controlled the politics of the state of Oregon for a gazillion years. Uh, Cliff Benz from Burns, Oregon. Uh, is about the only conservative that was there. It's always been a conservative seat. He has practically that amount. Uh, they could join Nevada. They could join. Well, of course, then we're overwhelmed by Clark County. So maybe Idaho is a better shake. But the original division of Oregon was to be along the Cascades. 
and they decided it would be too expensive to survey that because of the uh, the sea, the mountains, you know, so the Cascades. So they used uh, latitude and longitude and uh, natural channels, i.e. the Columbia River. So they strapped eastern Washington and eastern Oregon into this absolutely diabolical uh, no power and conservative people, farmers, ranchers, loggers, all wiped out by Seattle area in Washington and in Oregon, Multnomah and Lane County. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I hope, you know, I, whether they leave or not or form their own state or, you know, it's just like Northern California, well, same crapola. Uh, I'm told, Hank, that well, Idaho is going to vote to bring them on. And those counties that voted, they want Good. to leave. But it, it requires approval of the Oregon legislature. That's, that's not going to happen. <laughs> well, again, where's the population? You know, uh, it's it's uh, the, the scales are tipped, uh, you know. And, and, of course, where do I move <laughs> to a state that that 87 percent of the population is in one county right on the tip of Nevada that has no relevance to the rest of the area. Now, Washoe County, where Reno's at, is growing exponentially because uh, Tesla's put a battery plant or, or a autonomous driving vehicle deal there and other things. And, and it's kind of become the uh, bedroom community for Silicon Valley. So those two areas, both urban areas with attitudes that, you know, don't necessarily match. Uh, they've been gaslighted for years, you know. <laughs> well, that that area, I even though I haven't been there for, what, now five years probably, I am, well, California created this whole development center. I think it's in Washoe County between Reno and Fernley because so many of the trucking outfits wouldn't go past the California state line, so they bring stuff to that trucking transfer distribution center and say, Hey, here it is. Come get it. But that's just created all kinds of growth and development between that little region. Is that in Fernley or is that in Washoe County? There bit that Reno Fernley area. Well, Fernley's getting out towards Lyon County and, and uh, it's getting out of town a little bit, but Washoe County uh, is darn sure Reno area. Uh, it used to be Ormsby County. Now that's Carson city. They just, dissolve the county uh douglas county's involved in it but it's just yeah it's just that whole belt right along the sierra nevadas even tuila utah grantsville has a huge distribution center i think it's costco or walmart or one of those like that same reasons you can't go into california the the inventory taxes all the things that are going on in california uh huge warehouse industry in las vegas uh, you know, when you run that old bent can of beans across that scanner and it goes bink, well, it goes bink for the store to order more. But where they're ordering the next bent can of beans is in Nevada or Utah or someplace else where the tax liabilities and everything are, are a, a lot less painful. I mean, business is going to follow the money. You know, that that's human nature. That's capitalism. That's that's how the whole world turns. 
Speaking of capitalism, have you seen that the you've been whining about sheep prices? Good thing you're not a cannabis producer in California. Prices at the wholesale level for the farm are 95%, 95% lower than they were a year ago. Since January of 2022, 1,677 legal cannabis growers have gone out of business because they flooded the market. Surprise, surprise, surprise. <laughs> Capitalism 101 is if you are making money, your greed, your whatever comes popping out and you want to produce more because you want to make more money. You want to be on the stock exchange. You want to you want to be driving a Rolls Royce pickup. You want to have cool stuff. So you produce more. And the more you produce and the better stuff you produce, guess what? They're no different than corn farmers. They're going to raise more when the price is up. And, and of course, then there is an attrition to it. And down she comes, crashing around your ears. What I found most humorous about this report on what was taking place in California cannabis, the the summary was that going forward, Cannabis growers are going to have to decide if they're going to still capture the economies of scale and get bigger, or they're going to have to focus on quality. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Are we talking about land production? Are we talking about cannabis? Apparently, it's all the same. Yes, it is. Far out, dude. (laughs) (laughs) With that, that's our segue to go to a break. We will be back with more Hank Vogler. Checking in from the north part of White Pine County, near North Springs. Now I got that all messed up. Spring Valley, North Spring Valley. <laughs> We're back with more. Lay after off of this. that state spring. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk for a moment about the most nutrient dense food substance on the planet. Six ounces of beef will give you more of the nutrition, essential nutrition you need than six ounces of anything else on earth. Certified Piedmontese puts it in a tender package. The myostatin gene that the Piedmontese cattle possess, the purebreds, fullbloods, have two copies of this myostatin gene. That means that the calves in the commercial setting will have one copy. What's all of that mean? Well, what it really means is the beef is going to be tender. When it comes to consumer eating experience, tender is what drives satisfaction. Details about that can be found on the web, certifiedpiedmontese.com. And let me tell you what, if you're not hungry when you go to this website, you will be after, certifiedpiedmontese.com. Welcome back to Trat Loose alongside Hank Wilger. I promise, never had any wacky weed in my life, and certainly not today. Just letting you know, Hank. Well... And I may as well in the uh, full disclosure that a very long time ago when I was in college, uh, there were several people that I knew from my hometown that kind of gathered up in one place. And uh, uh, I smoked a marijuana cigarette. I bought one package, or they called them a lid. I bought one, and I didn't smoke, so I made... Uh, what they call a cocktail and you took a menthol cigarette took the tobacco out of it and put that in it and i made out of that i think it was five or ten dollars and i i i made cigarette marijuana cigarettes out of it and uh i think i gave most of it away but 
I had too much going on in my life to sit around and eat berry pie and ice cream and play cards and smoke dope. And, and, and I could see these people that I grew up with that, you know, who say, who can say they might not have drank too much beer and had other issues, but they just kept floating off in this other direction. And pretty quick, they didn't like to have me around because I didn't grow my hair long. I didn't hippie out. I, 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 and I didn't smoke. You could get, I did, you know, they'd pass, they'd light one of them cigarettes and pass it around four or five of them, six at the table. And then by the time they get the other end, they'd light another one and they'd smoke a half a dozen of them suckers. Well, now through the fact that, uh, capitalism, they've got the marijuana so strong now that I, I mean, people freak out all kinds of stuff. And I saw these people progressively go off the deep end. And I only know about one of them that actually survived. The rest of them just fried their brains. They're dead. Uh, they, they, I mean, I, and I just made that decision, but I did, uh, smoke a couple of marijuana cigarettes, but it took a whole cigarette to even get the feeling weird, you know? So I, and, but just scared the hell out of me. So I, no more. Nope. Sorry. So I'm pretty convinced that the cannabis industry is not going to turn to you for their, uh, Marlboro man image. No, I, I'm pretty sure they won't. No, no. <laughs> they all fried their brains and they're dead. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, and, and I'm not transgender. Bud Light, Bud Light won't hire me either to sell beer now. Oh, so. did you see? No, no, no. Don't be just picking on Bud Light. Bud Light, they, they I can't say what they did. They crapped in their nest. Now, Coors Light, as, as stupid as Bud Light was, a week after Bud Light announces they're going to partner with a transvestite, Coors Light comes out with a campaign sponsoring and partnering with the LB, the queer and homosexual community. I'm mean, like, do you people not know who your customers are? I'm, I'm more power to you. You go, you guys, both you two beer companies, yeah. you go. And by the way, Rock for all roll, that don't man. know, other than the microbreweries, there's only two beer companies left in the United States. The folks at 3G that owns all the other ones, and then Coors Molson that owns a smaller number of breweries, but they're all just these big conglomerates. And 3G Capital, who owns InBev, now controls 33% of the global beer sales. Do not buy anything they're from, from Belgium, 3G. Aren't they? Okay, so... This has been interesting because since the Bud Light thing, I've spent a lot of time on this again because people are asking questions. InBev, yes, is from Belgium, and they did what you call like a, a hostile takeover of Budweiser, Anheuser-Busch. But quietly, nobody paid attention to this, Hank. 3G Capital, which is based out of Brazil, who owned Heinz and, and all those old food companies, they quietly acquired InBev. And everybody still focuses on InBev from Belgium, but no, it's owned by 3G Capital, which is nearly the largest food company in the world. It's a conglomerate owned by a bunch. It's publicly traded, but it's all a Brazilian-based company. Well, I knew when the Belgians took over, that's why they got rid of the Clydesdales because they wanted to use Belgians instead of Clydesdales. That was <laughs> that was the end of my. Budweiser. Okay, <laughs> that, there's also a story there. In the last 30 days, 
an animal rights outfit who I refuse to name because I do not want to assist them in pilfering the public for profit acquired shares in InBev because they did not like the way the Clydesdales were being treated. And so, you know, you got to wonder how much of this is coincidental when one of your wealthy animal rights organizations acquires stocks and then InBev just completely loses touch with reality. Well, back to the folks that can't figure out which bathroom to use without naming them. How, what percentage of the population? I mean, there's there's been, uh, you know, if it was totally genetic or whatever, uh, wouldn't they have disappeared a thousand years ago because they wouldn't have reproduced? But anyhow, whatever their program is, okay, just don't bother me about it. But I don't think they're mainstream America. I think they're a very small percentage, just like in the animal population. Same percentage of people that are born on Kodiak Island. That's about what it is. It's not. It's not even. So again, it's not even a mark. You can't even say it's insignificant. It's less than insignificant. It's like a blip. Yeah. So why are they the people? You know, even the. I don't know what to call them anymore. African-Americans, they're Americans if they were born here, just like everybody's born here are Americans. They're Native Americans, even that. I mean, all of these things, the Hispanic population has surpassed completely the black population. Almost double. Uh, So why aren't there, you know, there's Spanish TV. I was in Las Vegas one time during the Super Bowl and could not get English on the TV, the entire, every channel carried it in Spanish. So is that going to be the next argument, whether you're more Hispanic than you are African? Or, I mean, my goodness sakes, why don't we just get over and become Americans or something? Something crazy like that. Because 100% of the intent here is to create chaos and division. The only way they win is if we, uh, we, work against ourselves and that's what they're trying to do they being whoever they are everybody has an well, opinion yeah. on who they are the, yeah. the satan worshipers I mean, whatever it is it's absolutely the nuttiest bunch of male bovine fecal matter ever people from all over the world read history most of the people that early immigrated from europe came here to set up utopian basically socialist, communist, whatever, Bolshevik, whatever you want, societies. And then they all failed and embraced capitalism to survive without choking to death. But many of the colonies were originally established to have these little utopian societies because even in Europe, uh, there was turmoil over religious differences and all sorts of things. And that this was their this was their dream to escape to the new world. And and it failed miserably. Communism, socialism, nobody wants to have to wear, other than Hillary Clinton, want to wear a Mao jacket, Mao jacket and, and uh, uh, lose. It's all about power. It is all about power. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's just crazy. But we got to do something. I mean, we're kind of getting to the edge of the precipice. 
No, we are at the edge of the precipices, and I think we're at the tipping point right now. And if we don't do the right thing, somebody's going to launch us into full-scale battle internally. And the only way we lose is if we don't stand together. You can vote your way into socialism, but you'll have to shoot your way out. That's why they want your guns. It's the Second Amendment that has kept these idiots at bay. They're already taking away their right to speech. They put that guy in jail for saying nasty things about Hillary? I can't believe that. Who did they put in jail for that? Uh, It was on the news. Some guy got put in jail. He made some derogatory remarks or, or, or made fun of Hillary Clinton, and they put him in jail. And he got uh, quite, you know, I mean, I can't believe that. But it's been on the news two or three yeah. times. I think they just got him convicted. Uh, and maybe it's bull, too. Yeah, that's why I don't watch the news, Hank. Halftime. Roll out. Hank Vogler will take a break. We'll be back with more White Pine County, Nevada news after this. All right. Now let's talk a minute about, yeah, why do I always say that? A moment or a minute, which is it? Coal. We have more than a moment or a minute. We have reliable energy. We burn coal-fired power plants. We capture the energy that's produced. We put it in an electric transmission line. Then we've got the lineman there to make sure it all works. It's a system that has worked well for us for, what, 60 years? And now all of a sudden we're deciding that coal is a bad thing. It makes no sense whatsoever. Where are you going to get your concrete? That's my question of the day. Where are you going to get your reliable source of energy? Wind and solar? That's a joke. That's not going to happen. It's all about farming the government for a subsidy. Trust the reliable source of energy. It's called coal. Details at lignite.com. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Loose. On to another week. Post-Easter 2023, I got to say, we had a fantastic Easter. The wind didn't blow. Two of the three girls were home. Went to sunrise service. Actually didn't follow the premise and did a little work in the afternoon. Kelly's delivering pigs a locker today. What was your weekend like, Hank? Well, uh, let me see. The low snow in the meadows broke loose, and uh, we sandbagged. Uh, a couple of dikes and a couple of river crossings so they didn't go on down to the neighbors so that's that was pretty exciting and we're setting up the corrals to start shearing we're going to shear half of the sheep here and then the other half over by uh, Wendover because there's no feed uh, because of the late winter and also Everywhere the horses came down into the valleys, they stripped everything to the ground. The sagebrush looks like somebody sprayed it with a herbicide to, to kill the plants. I mean, there's no leaves on them. There's no duff underneath any of the bushes and everything. And there's dead horses everywhere. But where are all those wonderful people that want to save the history of the American West? Why aren't they out here? Why aren't they screaming in Washington, D.C.? The local people here that work at the Bureau of Land Management that deal with the horses have been, you know, sounding the alarm for months. And not one person 
Oh, we don't have the funding. We can't do this. We can't do that. Washington, D.C. Well, if all these people, these advocates have so much power, aren't they supposed to be helping and saving those? Or shouldn't they be sending tons of money in to get that done? Well, we can't even bring the sheep over here because we'd have to feed them all the way in, providing we could get through the snowbanks and then feed them all the way back, which would be devastating. We're late shearing, and it's going to be in a, a few days. I mean, it's just absolutely bizarre of how hypocritical these people are that are supposedly out there. The, the boys found a, a colt. Its umbilical cord was still wet, walking down the road, looking. Obviously, its mother had probably died having that cold. No mother around anywhere, or she got up and abandoned him, or a couple of young studs knew she was going to come into heat in a couple of days, run the colt off and run her off and, and gang raping her. I mean, all of this crap is going on and, and the smooth crap that they put on the, now they want, they got a bill before the state legislature to make the Mustang the, the state horse. Another layer of bureaucracy, ruin more range, destroy more animals. They're political football. I, I quit. I quit. I'm sorry. Well, I've been telling you all year that there's a right time for me to show up. You made it sound like it's about here. Well, you can show up. Or we can always use some more help. This <laughs> no, wait. Week. I wasn't talking about working. <laughs> oh. I see. Okay. I, I don't have an H-2A contract, so maybe I can't. I mean, my contract doesn't say it says I can't, you know, work for you. I just got to talk about you. Uh, now, wait a minute. Now, you want to you want to hear the absolute most ridiculous thing in the world. OK. Yeah. H2A contract. I've been working for almost eight months to get my crew here, get them here, get them lined up, everybody ready to go to work. I'm still having trouble. They give them their visa down there, make them go home for two weeks, which costs them a lot of money and a lot of time to go back to their home village. They don't live in Lima. So I get this email from a junior or a senior of Cornell University wants a job herding sheep on a range sheep operation. Really? Uh, yeah. Okay. I scared me to death. You know, is this an advocate group trying to destroy the H2A program? What is this? So I called the people that helped me get these folks in. I am supposed to interview this person. And I invited this person. I said, you know, if you want to come out, I have a full crew. But if you want to come out and look at the operation and see how managed chaos works, uh, you're sure welcome to come and visit. That seemed like a kind of a nice thing. I don't know, but old fashioned, I suppose. Well, I'm supposed to fire one of my men that has a family in Peru or Chile or Mexico that is depending on their employment up here for sustenance. And I'm supposed to lay one of them off if this person qualifies. Well, why would a person that was going to Cornell University <coughs> suddenly want to take what is considered a minimum wage job? <coughs> it makes no sense. And what are the qualifications? But if this person qualifies, that is the answer. I am supposed to send one of these boys home. 
You're being and set up. Per- oh, yes, I am. <laughs> so is this person coming? What, what's the status? Where is it at right now? I I, I sent the email back saying the, uh, our busy season starts April 1. Uh, I have a full crew. But if you would like to come out and spend some time here, and look around. I mean, obviously this person is 110% overqualified. I mean, you're at Cornell University used to be quite an agriculture college, mm-hmm. or at least Dr. Ringcob was from there. And no, it was obviously it, it was. Yeah. So now why, why would you, unless you want to cause trouble or learn about it? Well, you can learn about the, the mechanics of it by a visit. And and help out and and you know even probably could have a bonus or something, but to put them on the payroll uh, is would be just totally ridiculous. But that is the advice I was given. If this person wants an interview, can't you add a person to your payroll? Well, yes, but we're talking about several thousand dollars more in a market that is. You're made Not of exactly. money. What difference does that make? Well, I'd like to pay my bills too, you know. <laughs> I mean, I, okay, I'm, <laughs> this is very problematic. And somebody has put you in the crosshairs because every yep. single outfit that I'm aware of who had some exposure to an animal abuser, and I'm, I'm, I'm linking it back to animal rights because that's, that's where I really stay focused on. And every outfit, <clears throat> everyone to a T, who's gained national notoriety for abusing animals happened exactly this way. Somebody showed up out of the blue wanting a job because they want they love animals, they want whatever the reason. And they want this one is from New York and decided they want to experience food production on the range of Nevada. You, you got to find a solution for this. I'm just telling you. Now I know when I show up. Same person, this the same day this person shows up. Okay. So, you know, so far I haven't heard back. So maybe I dodged the bullet. I doubt it, but I. No, I, you did not. I didn't, you know. I mean, I don't. I, I mean, mean, I don't mean to sound how do you pessimistic, explain? but you didn't dodge the bullet. No. I'm trying to figure out how to get an angle. But just, okay, but even in a court of law or any kind of justice in the world, which I guess there is none, how in the world could you justify someone wanting to have a minimum wage, basically is what they call a minimum wage job, board and room, and, and uh, you know, a couple thousand a month? That, it makes no sense. Wait a um, minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, you mean I can make a couple thousand a month working for you? Well, and you really don't have any place to spend it. So, however, <laughs> I do have one individual. That's I'm trying to find money I already Peru. spent. Thank. I don't think you understand the point here. <laughs> I have a person that absolutely gets fan mail from Amazon and Walmart. He, every day there are two or three packages for him. This guy is Joe consumer. I mean, yeah. he's single. He doesn't have any family, but he cannot get over. Uh, whatever he can buy on the internet from Amazon or Walmart. It, I mean, there's two or three packages for him every day. So 
the two he is worst certainly places. contributing the, the, to our economy. Yeah, the two worst places in the world to contribute to the economy is what he's doing. Well, uh, but again, you know, I mean, it's still it, it says maybe the people that run those businesses, but there are people that are working there that are feeding their families too. Yeah. You know, so you you have to kind of you don't necessarily need to throw them a bone if you want to go to the smaller grocery store, etc., uh, etc. Et I I quit shopping at Costco when they took my food right out of my buggy while I was in mm-hmm. the middle of lambing. We remember. So, yeah, it was nuts. COVID. <laughs> so again, these but these issues is what we have. And if you will look back, the original stock exchange, the only one that has survived so far and not doing very well is General Electric. It is the it is the metamorphosis of business. You start a business, you got a new idea, you expand, you hire people to take care of it, you buy a yacht pretty quick, the people that are taking care of it figure out how to get some of the funds funneled off into their status or give themselves pay raises pretty quick. You get top head with management. Somebody else comes along, buys you out, fires half of those people. And it just continually rolls over and rolls over and rolls over. Now it's no longer capitalism in America. It's capitalism in the world. And, and that's what happens. And I'm more than sure that whether it's JBS or this beer company or whatever, they will have their ups and downs and their buyouts and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, speaking of buying a yacht, Jeff Bezos, the owner of Amazon, did buy a yacht. I believe it was made in the Netherlands or somewhere over there. $500 million yacht. And then they made the yacht and it couldn't get out of the harbor that it was in because it couldn't fit under a bridge that went across whatever harbor. So th- Don't they you act- just hate that? They they actually spent as much on getting the the bridge taken down and then put back up as they did on the yacht. This is one reason. This is a small reason. Don't spend money on Amazon. Roll route. One segment left after this. Let's spend a moment and talk about a minute or a moment. It's about a minute. About parodic auctions. Hey, it's coming up this week. I've been talking about the parodic auction near Murdo, South Dakota, for about a month now, and it comes. Every time we talk about something, the day comes. It is Wednesday, the 12th of April, near Murdo, South Dakota. That's southwest of Pier, right off of Interstate 90. Two miles east of Murdo is where the ranch is actually located. It's a 2,305-acre ranch, contiguous 11 tracks, parodicauction.com. Welcome back. Roll out. Trent Lewis alongside Hank Vogler. All right, don't tell me on air, but off the air, make sure you get me the name of this new employee so I can do due diligence. Thank you, sir. Uh, I wonder, don't mean to bring Jeff up again, but, you know, when you, <laughs> you can't cousin get Jeff, your Your cousin bridge, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, can't, you can't get a your yacht under a bridge, but some of the folks that worked on that yacht raised their family and bought groceries and stuff. And, and just like everybody else, 
when Jeff Bezos takes his dirt nap, uh, he will once again be equal with the rest of us. You know, yesterday was the celebration of the only person that's ever got off of this earth after being murdered. Mm-hmm. And he got to live through it. And there's a lot of reason right there. But as long as I have been alive, there has always been something that morphs into something that it originally didn't want to be. The hippie movement was government interference, whether it was going to Vietnam or too much government, too much government. And then they got into power and they're in power now. And they're more miserable than it was back in the 60s. Government was smaller. John Kennedy allowed the uh, people that worked for the government to unionize. That hasn't been a help. The teachers union, Jimmy Carter, put that through uh, to make it a a, a cabinet level post. All of these morphs have been about wind up getting robbed and turned into more central control of power. And one of the biggest hoaxes of all is the global warming, global cooling, climate change crap. Look up Uh, Henry's law. No, I think it's the biggest one, period. Well, okay, fine. Look up Henry's law. You're only breathing every other day now because you're afraid you're contributing to climate change. You don't know how dangerous that is to yourself. Okay, uh... I want to go back to this. I fully understand what you're saying about employing people and Amazon employs people and creates opportunities. Uh, I'm not buying that. Well, I am buying that, but there's a caveat. And the caveat is how many of these people would be better off self-employed? I have an example, and then we can discuss it from there. So Sydney, Nebraska is the uh, home of the original Cabela's. Have you ever been in a Cabela's? Yes. Started in Sydney, Nebraska. It started in Sydney in a guy's garage. Started doing live baits and what whatever he started doing. And it grew into what everybody knows today as great outfitters. Well, then it was taken over. I don't know what their arrangement was. Bass Pro Shop now owns Cabela's. And you go to Sydney, and the, the first 12 months... Bass Pro Shop is based in Springfield, Missouri. Sydney, Nebraska became this like ghost town. And there were, I learned this during the campaign last year, Hank, when I was assisting Teresa Thibodeau to be governor of Nebraska, which didn't work. But Sydney, Nebraska had the highest percentage of empty homes of any city of that size in the state. When we were there, which would have been, what, five years after the fact? I have to look that up to be exact. doesn't really matter. There are fewer homes available in Sydney than anywhere else. I mean, there's a home, uh, home problem everywhere in the state, but in Sydney, they fixed it. And so I had to be inquisitive about this. I'm like, how does Sydney, who is completely bankrupt, this beautiful little museum of what used to be Cabela's uh, corporate headquarters, they said people figured out how to be entrepreneurs on their own, and they just decided that we love living in Sydney. We're going to move to Sydney. We're going to do whatever in Sydney, and we're going to be our own business. And, and a small business has just flourished in Sydney since that as a result of what appeared to be a terrible devastation at the time. No question about it. 
and that's the capitalistic way of metamorphosis. Small businesses employ more people than all the Costco's, all the Walmarts, all the Cabela's, all of them. They are the backbone, and they start industries that sell products, maybe to Cabela's, maybe to Amazon, maybe mm. these other things. And and so it it's but it becomes a cycle, and then the cycle, the big shots get too big and and too much top heavy, too much nepotism, and the next thing you know, they tip over, and they get bought out or they get exchanged and then people you know uh, look at a ford pickup how much of that is actually made in detroit uh it, it no more uh man, look at man. just about anything we were all upset by the japanese coming into the united states and setting up car companies well where do they get their parts where do they get you know in a, right here in ely they want to spend two billion dollars on one of these pipe dreams pipes to create electricity There'll be a huge expansion for five or six years in Ely, Nevada, if this mess gets started. And and what'll happen? Then there'll be a housing collapse in Ely, Nevada. It happened over when they built the coal-fired plant in Delta, Utah. When I got here, they'd already built that plant. And Delta, Utah was a ghost town. Now, entrepreneurs, other businesses, people have moved in. It This is just the way it is. What about when the Studebaker Wagon Company went out of business and they tried making Studebaker vehicles, which eventually didn't work out too well? I mean, this is this is capitalism. You come up with a good idea. You make money on it. Some people fall by the wayside. Mark Twain was famous for telling Alexander Graham Bell to beat it, that he'd had a gut full of getting in on things that didn't work in the industrial age, you know. So, I mean, there's ups and downs in all of this stuff. And, yeah, it's it's aggravating. But I don't know what you can do unless you have complete government control. And that's what is the bad one. Well, that's what's coming with all of these fewer and bigger businesses. Because those people, just like we talked about earlier, the power is infectious and addictive. And those people grease the palms the right way to keep in power. And until Bezos tumbles, and, and he's going to tumble because I'm going to stop buying stuff there, stop contributing to his business. I don't go to those three places you mentioned for that very reason, and I encourage other people not to because they work well, against you your policies Eli... and your views. They're the ones who bring about this ESG score. Hank Vogler, you're raising lamb and wool. Is your ESG score in line to say you're going to be able to continue to operate and do business? Well, not on my watch. Uh, I'm not going to be a part of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know what <laughs> we can do about it. We have to keep informing the public that these things are happening. But I'll bet you money marbles are chalk. Eli Whitney came up with the interchangeable parts. And I'll bet you the day that George Washington's inauguration, he goes, George, baby, let me give you a clue here. I'll send some stuff <laughs> over to help you out there on the farm. But please buy guns from me because I can I can put yourself together a war machine that you're going to need down the road because I can make stuff quick or whatever. Yeah, I guarantee there, you're I right. I mean, where did the term lobbyist come from? <laughs> I mean, it's from day one. And it all boils down to everybody doesn't want to live in a tiny house and drive a Volkswagen and have two-week vacation every year and et cetera, et cetera. People want stuff. And if it's greed, if it's one of the seven deadly sins, 
than it is that goes back to Adam and Eve's grandparents. Lust and greed and gluttony, all those things. Wait a minute. You forgot Adam and Eve's grandparents who met at a Grange Hall dance. That's right. Absolutely. (laughs) And Billy Bob took a shine into Betty, and there's been trouble ever since. Betty Joe. It was Billy Bob and Betty Joe. (laughs) Okay. But, I mean, you just... You you know, if you don't kind of look at this with the kind of a little bit of a slant, it'll give you a sour belly. I promise you, uh, you know, and we, we, and you hope you can make a change, but maybe you can, maybe you can't, but you got to try. Before we get out of here, you've not had the opportunity to issue your annual whining about all of the people who celebrated Easter with ham. Okay. Okay. <laughs> who who was Jewish? Who went to the temple? Who was Jewish? Jesus Christ was Jewish. His family was Jewish. Moses was a slave. He's the one that parted the Red Sea to escape the Egyptians. Are they going to get paid reparation? But they didn't eat pork. You guys stole my <laughs> holiday. The only holiday that I had lined up and Christmas. And Easter ham, are you kidding me? That's that that is to me a sacrilege. You should be eating lamb. Lamb of God. That's what we say in the Catholic Church. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Take this That's is my body fair. broken for you. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I have this to admit, my blood. I had fully intended on cooking some lamb. Just because number one, I haven't had lamb for a while, and number two, I wanted to you know comply with what you talk about, and for some reason, without doing it on purpose, I ended up being a, a major cooking day for pork because I had this. Okay, the truth of the matter, I had this eighty-pound pig, you know, because I do these wiener things, and it was in my freezer hole. <laughs> Kelly, Kelly said. That pig is going to get out of here one way or another. So I started whacking it up and cooking it. So right Uh-oh. now I'm going to head over there and pull a bunch of pork off some bones. That's what I'm going to do. But that that's the real reason. So it was family marital harm. Now we know who's running the world. No, I never it's made just, any bones about who's running the operation the around here. <laughs> yes, sir, Bob. I'm not sure you caught my analogy. Well, anyhow. I never made any bones about it. (laughs) I understand. 30 seconds. Thanks, Wilder. No. Well, all I can say is never holler woe in a horse race. And that will allow me to close with the best bit of news that I haven't mentioned in the past week. The Texas District Court ruled that the HISA Act is unconstitutional and there would be a stay put on it and so through the end of may horses running can have simulcasting taking place we've successfully journeyed down that path connecting food producers to food consumers on an easter weekend whether you had ham or lamb it's all about making sure you appreciate the sacrifice of jesus and the saving of your soul for eternity for Hank Bogle or Trent Lewis, both of us remind you that all roads do lead to a roll route. 
Got a wrap. All right, so uh, you got to get me the name of this person. And, then- and finally today, let's talk about Protect the Harvest, exactly what we need to accomplish a free and fed America. It's Hank Vogler who first coined the phrase belly button, belly button banging against the backbone. Protect the Harvest intends to empower you to make sure that doesn't happen to you or our nation or our community. But here's the deal. It's all up to you. Protecttheharvest.com.